Amen. Amen. Hey, let's take our seats. And while you're doing that, get your Bibles out and let's open them up to uh, Psalm 63 today. Psalm 63, as we continue in our worship together uh, series, we want to talk about passionate worship, but specifically today about where worship starts. Uh, where does worship start? The video and the uh, songs that we've sung have been a great setting of the table uh, for taking a look into God's Word today. Um, here's a reality. Um, every single person on this planet is a worshiper. Everyone is. It's only a matter of, of what we worship. Some people worship stuff. Some people worship self. Uh, some people worship the pandemic. Um, I was uh, thinking about the psalm that says, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Like, is that where your trust is today? Or would your verse be, some trust in masks and others trust in vaccines, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. See, we all worship. Everybody in the world is a worshiper. What kind of a worshiper are you, and who do we worship? Uh, we're going to move back to online worship in the next couple of weeks. How, how will that impact your relationship with God? It should. It should. The fact that we can't, for those of you who are in the room, the fact that we can't come together and have fellowship together, that's an important part of, of who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. The, the Christian life was never meant to be lived in isolation. It's meant to be lived in community. And, and that's why it's so wonderful when we can get together and we can have small groups. And for the next few weeks, we're going to go back and try and figure out a different way to do that, to stay focused on God's Word, stay focused on the things that God's called us to, haven't been told we can't preach the word, and so we're going to be faithful to all those things, but it's going to leave a hole. Um, but how will it impact your worship with God? How will it impact your times with Him? Um, have your times become uh, predictable? Um, every day at 5.30, that's when I get up. Not me, but some people think there is a 5.30 in the morning. I get up at 5.30 in the morning, and, and that's when I spend my time with the Lord, and then you don't spend any more time with Him the rest of the day. Um, or maybe in your family, it's like around the table after dinner, or, or maybe it's just when you pray. Like, what does your worship look like? What does honoring the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who made it all, what does that look like for us? What gets your time and attention? What grabs your heart? It's true for us as individuals. It's true for us as a church. What does our worship look like as a church? The, the prayer nights we have are designed to get our, our eyes focused on the Lord and going for a prayer walk. And all those things are all part of how we do that. Are we, are we more interested in the pizzazz that we get to have here? Or are we more interested in focusing on the God who is the source of our hope? And so as a church, we need to be focused and be people about passionate worship. And as individuals, we need to get our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. Christ and be passionate worships, worshipers. At the end of the day, we all worship an audience of one. At the end of the day, we all worship an audience of one. As you've come to church today to worship, has your worship been, maybe somebody around me will hear how good I am as a singer, or they'll see my hand come up, go up. Uh, you missed the whole point right? As I preach this message today, it's so easy for me to get off on, boy, I sure hope they like it. I sure hope somebody after the worst service says, nice job, pastor. We worship an audience of one. 
This message in my heart, as best as it can be, is not to impress you. Uh, it is to stand before God and, and, and publicly declare what God's Word says because I worship an audience of one. Davis, David gives us a glimpse of what true worship looks like in Psalm 63. And so let's stand together. We want to honor God as we uh, read His Word. And I'm going to read Psalm 63 to you uh, this morning. Oh God, You are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the fat Um, is with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate um, on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for the jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exalt, for the mouths of the liars will be stopped. Let's pray. Father, we bow our hearts before you. We bow our heads before you. Because there's not one single person in this room or watching online that ever, ever would deserve to even look upon you. Um, You are glorious, you are awesome, you are all-powerful. And yet, Lord, you invite us to come to you and pray and cast our cares upon you because you care for us. Lord, would you teach us today how we can be better worshipers as we consider who you are and what you've done. Give us ears, God. Listen carefully to your word today. This is an important message. This is an important word for us to hear Would you give us minds, Father, to comprehend? But then, Lord, would you give us faith to live differently as a result of who you are and what you've done for us, God, for your glory, for your praise, for your honor? We we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can take your seats. Well, let me give you just a hint about the background of this psalm. We don't know exactly what end of David's life this psalm happens on. um, We know that if you read the little part before the verse 1, it says, a psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. Um, Some um, authors think this was uh, before he became the king, but he knew he was going to be the king, and he's uh, fleeing from Saul, and, and he's in the wilderness. Others think it's later on in his life, after there's been sin in his life, and Absalom is out to kill him, and he spends another period of time in his life out in the wilderness. Don't know really which end of that it's on. I think it's probably at the latter part, but I'm not dying on that hill. Uh, but the reality, he's in a tough time. He's in a serious time in his life. Things aren't going like he would hope. Um, he, he just wishes it was back the way maybe it used to be. My life's a little bit like that right now in the middle of a pandemic. Why does it have to be like that? Why is it so difficult right now? Why, 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 why? And in the middle of this troubling time in his life, we want to see the expression of, 
of what he said to God, how he communed with God during difficult times. So if you feel a little overwhelmed today, if you're a little frustrated, I don't know if the kids can go and play in the park or not play in the park. I don't know if the police are going to pull me over on my way home for to church. I was talking to somebody yesterday, but will I get pulled over on my way to church? I don't care. Just tell them you're going to church, right? Um, but, but for them, that was a thing, and they were kind of wrestling through this troubling time, troubling times, and this guy's in the wilderness, fearing for his life, and this is his cry out to God. If I was to put this message as one big idea, I'd put it this way. True worship begins at the intersection of glory and humility. True worship begins at the intersection of glory and humility. Just a little bit of background before we dive right into the text. Um, These two things, worship and humility, are inextricably linked. They have to be together. You will never worship God until you humble yourself before Him, because He'll never get the right place, right? And so these are inextricably linked. Uh, We already had Isaiah 6 read to us this morning. Isaiah 6, 1 to 6, you see this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. With two, he flew. And the one called to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of your glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. Isaiah has a vision of God. He's seeing God in his glory. And look what happens to this guy. And I said, woe is me. I am lost. For I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Without personal brokenness and humility, We cannot have true worship. Here's another thought. It is as we learn to let go of self that we learn to cling to God. As we learn to let go of self, we learn to cling to God. Uh, Psalm 46, 10 and 11. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the, the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. I need to learn to let go. I need to learn to be still. Most of us are running around doing so many different things. We haven't stopped before God for a long time. Be still. Be quiet before the Lord. Open his word. Let him speak to you. Be still and know that I am God. We have to let go of self and cling to God. Here's one more thought. True worship is the increase of God in me. True in worship is the increase of God in me. That should be happening in our lives as we are being discipled. I'm not what I used to be. I'm not what I will be. I'm not what I should be, but I'm not what I was. And I'm on that journey moving forward. Now, remember John the Baptist when he, he saw Jesus uh, baptizing others and his followers are asking questions. And, and, and John, uh, John says this, he must increase, but I must decrease See, true worship is the increase of God in me. It's the increase of God in my life. It's the increase of Him being the focus, Him getting the glory, Him getting the praise. When I get a little uptight, I get a little bit anxious about the circumstances we live right in. How will church work next week? How will? Now be still and know that I am God. He must increase. 
I must decrease. So how are you doing as a passionate worshiper? How are you doing? What did your worship look like this week? That video at the beginning was really good because it really focuses on like, will this be the beginning of your worship for this week? Or will this be the ending as you walk out the door of your worship this week? So here's a few things we want to look at right out of the psalm. Here's the first one. Humble worship begins with a relationship. Uh, verse 1. Oh God, you are my God. Oh God, you are my God. Uh, psalm 23, David said, the Lord is my shepherd. You see, we can't have we can't have true worship unless we have a real relationship with God, a real relationship with Him. We see that fulfilled and played out in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We see the hope of eternal life. We see all that. He alone is worthy to receive glory and honor and praise. Um, and so I have to come to this place of, of being in a relationship with him because he is the one who's the focus. He's the one who is the target of my admiration, of my desire, of my worship for him. It starts in a relationship. It, it comes, and we're going to see this in a few minutes, but it comes back to looking at who Jesus Christ is and what he accomplished for us. The psalmist David, as he's writing all this, he hasn't seen the fulfillment of all this that we have seen. He hasn't seen the conclusion of all these things that we have seen in Jesus Christ. But Jesus Christ came, and he was the one who was the sacrifice. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That was Jesus Christ. And he came, and he was the sufficient sacrifice so we could have eternal life so we could be called children of God in relationship with him by faith alone in Christ alone because of his work transferring my trust from what I think is going to get me to God to understanding those things are never going to get me there it's only the work of Jesus Christ who satisfied all that God planned you have to have a relationship if you don't have a relationship don't think about going home and thinking wonderful thoughts about God it starts with a relationship with him believe on the Lord Jesus Christ today and be saved and begin that relationship but it's not just a relationship of salvation it's a, a relationship as children of God uh, being surrendered a relationship of children of God um, desiring his will in my life understanding the surrender of personal priorities. It's not about what I want, Lord. It's about what you want. That's true worship. When I look at the Lord and it's like, Lord, whatever I want doesn't matter. It's what you want. Help me, God, to get there every day a little bit more. Reveal to me the next time I'm on my face before you what is it I need to let go of, who it is I need to be right with, because I want to worship you. I don't want anything in the way of my relationship with an awesome, almighty God surrender of personal priorities, surrender of idols, surrender of the idols that are in your life. I, I said some trust in masks and, and some trust in vaccines, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. What are you trusting in? You spend more time arguing about this pandemic or do you spend more time on your face crying out to God? What are the idols in your life? It's not all about the pandemic. There's other idols that we have. Maybe it's your job is your idol. Maybe your spouse is your idol. Maybe your kids are your idol. They come before God. You are more focused on them than you are on the one who made you. Um, surrender your idols. Surrender your pride and your arrogance. 
Not me first, but God first. Not me first, but others first. Humble worship begins with a relationship that is growing and developing. Worship starts with the surrender of our heart and will to God's will and to his plan. The psalmist starts out in this verse, O God, you are my God. He's in the wilderness. It's a difficult time. But his cry is, O God, you are my God. Humble worship begins with a relationship. Here's the second thing. Humble worship has a clear focus. Look at the end of verse 1 and verse 2. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your, two things, says, beholding your power and your glory. Now there's the focus, there's the clear focus in a dry land where he is parched. I'm going to be preaching soon from Psalm 133, and it talks about the dew running down. It talks about how uh, the psalmist was so blessed by that. Um, But the reality is, the reality is here he's in a dry season. He's in a parched land. He's earnestly seeking after God. He's passionately desiring after him. And, and he says in, in this text, he says, so I've looked down upon you in the sanctuary. I, I stopped looking all around. I, I realized that in the dry, parched land, I realized in my circumstances, I, I realized in the difficult things, uh, they weren't taking me anywhere. So I got my eyes fixed on you, God, in the sanctuary. In the sanctuary. In Psalm 73, uh, verse, uh, I think it's verse 17, Asaph says, Um, until I went to the sanctuary of God. He was going through the struggle of his life. He was looking around him. He was seeing how the world was getting ahead. He was seeing how his life seemed to be harder than everybody else. And he said, it was too much for me until I went to the sanctuary of God. The circumstances of your life, the difficulties you're going through, some of the stories I know of things in our church and people who are wrestling with, and and they're desiring to seek God in these things, asking Him for their strength, asking Him to guide them until I went and get my eyes fixed on who God is, on what God has done. Then I understood, the psalmist says in Psalm 73. You have to have a clear focus. In this psalm, he says, on the glory of God and the power, looking at the glory and the power of God. Well, how do we do that? Well, it's good to take stock. It's good to stop and think. It's good to be still and know that I am God. I, I picked kind of four areas we can think about today as we think about the glory and the power of God. Uh, the first one I think about immediately is about his creation. His creation. Do you see it? Or are you too busy and you don't, you miss what God has made in his creation. You're so fast moving from one thing to another that you miss out on what God has made for us. We're supposed to see God in his creation. Um, I was thinking about that as you're getting ready for the message. One of the things is the preacher kind of forces you to do some of these things. But God and his ability to create everything from nothing. The astounding complexity in his creation the beauty of his creation. 
I thought about some things in our lives together as a couple where we have seen God in his creation and just been in awe of him. We've had the privilege to go to the Grand Canyon now more than once. Um, and, and the first time we went, we went and we looked down into the canyon and, and it was just like, wow, this is awesome. And uh, the next time we went, we went and saw a different kind of awesome. We saw what's called an inversion. It doesn't happen very often. You don't get to see it in the Grand Canyon very much. But an inversion is when the clouds come down and they're actually in the canyon. The sky above you is perfectly blue, but you can't see the canyon. Now, it's pretty depressing if you have one day at the Grand Canyon and you don't get to see into it, right? So I get that, but we'd already had that blessing. But people are all talking about, no, this is inversion. This is amazing. And so you're standing there looking out. The sky is blue. You can see the top of the canyon on the other side, and the canyon is just filled with clouds. The beauty, the beauty of God's creation. Um, We've been to New Brunswick and seen the tidal bore. Um, That's when the the tide goes out, and as the tide comes in, the waters push up the river, and as they push up the river, the waters come down, and where they clash, it's called the tidal board. I I can't explain it to you any more than that, but it actually creates a wave. as it's, It's a beautiful thing in God's creation. You go to the Bay of Fundy and you see the drop in the, in the ocean and you go there and you see these little the tufts of dirt sticking out and then you go away for a few hours and you come back and they're gone and it's like 30 feet down to where the water was now and you can walk around and go out there and see and God's creation. Um, we've had the privilege to live in British Columbia and we've seen the Rocky Mountains and one of the most moving times I remember for Sue was when we were moving home, driving, moving home, we were moving back to Ontario, driving out of the Rocky Mountains coming towards uh, Calgary and, uh, and she was just a mess in the car and I'm like, well, what's going on here? And, and she, in front of you, you can see the foothills but she's like, look, look. Like, I was missing it. I was missing it. And look, we saw the beauty of God's creation. We stood on the prairies, flat as can be. They say if you stand on a a can of tuna near Winnipeg and look to the east, you can see the back of your head. Um, It's not really quite that flat, but it is beautiful in its own way. Um, The lakes and the colors in Ontario. We were in Hungary and Romania and the the thousands and thousands of acres of sunflowers. We've been to the ocean and seen the waves crashing on the shore. They're all pictures of God's handiwork. They're all pictures of his creation. And all of those things should make us worship him. And so look for God in his creation and worship him. That's one way. Look to God in his character. These are some C words here. Look to God in his character. Think about his attributes. Think about his holiness. We've been singing holy, holy, holy. God is so not us. He is so separate from us, and yet he invites us in relationship to him. Think about God and his holiness. It, 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 it just threw the psalmist, I mean the writer Isaiah, on his face when he saw God in his holiness to cry out, you God are so not like me. I'm a man of unclean lips. I shouldn't even lift my face to you. And yet God restores him, and God uses him. See God in his omniscience, his omniscience, um, See God in his omnipresence. See God in his omnipotence. If it can be done, God alone can do it. See God in his love. For while we were at sinners, Christ died 
for us. See God in his love. See God in his mercy and his grace, not getting what we deserve and and getting what we don't deserve. A grace that will save us, a grace that will keep us. Uh, Worship God in his character. Worship God in his competence. Um, Do what you say you will do. We try to do that with our kids. If we said we'll do something, we're going to do it. God is the one who, who does that do what you say you will do better than anyone else. And he is competent to do that. I'm incompetent in a lot of things in my life. God's not incompetent in anything. And we trust him in his competence. He's also capable. Uh, we, we saw in 2 Timothy 1 when we were studying it, for I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he will be able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Do you worship God because he keeps his promises? And then worship God in his son, Christ. That's the fourth C word. 1 Corinthians 8, 6 says, Yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom all things and for whom we, and, and for whom we exist, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. Matthew 14, 33, and, and those in the boat worshiped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. This is right after they had walked Peter and, and Jesus, been on the water, and they get back in the boat and Truly, truly, you are the Son of God. We, we need to people, be people of God who, who understand this begins with a relationship, but worship, worship has a clear focus, and that focus is towards the glory of God and the power of God. Is your focus clearly on God's awesomeness, or are you so easily distracted by your circumstances? Here's the third thing. Humble worship, it's a choice. It's a choice. I'm choosing to see this out of verse 5, but look at verse 5. My soul will be satisfied. He makes a choice. He makes a decision. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. I, 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 I told Mark I wasn't going to get into that, but like I just think about when I think about the fat and rich food. I think about the steak. We don't go there very often, but I think about the steak that you get at the keg. And, and it's marbled because there's some fat in it, right? And, uh, and don't, don't pretend like you don't go there and that you don't like the food, because I know you do. Um, and if you don't, find a friend who will take you, right? I'm not that person. Um, but they have this marbled meat. Why? Because the fat in the meat is what makes it great. Uh, people who want, I just want all that meat so lean. Well, that's fine if you like to eat leather, right? But, but it's in the fat. That's, that's where the yumminess, that's why you like bacon so much, right? Um, another story about that. We bought peanut brittle yesterday, the last item on the list of things in our peanut brittle, bacon. And you're like, really? I'm not making this stuff up, right? The fat, it, 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 it just makes it so special for us. And, but worship is a choice. Worship is a choice. My soul will be satisfied. My mouth will praise. Hebrews 13, 5 says, through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. It's a choice. When it's hard, God, I will praise you. I wrote down some things here. When it is difficult, the psalmist says, in a dry and weary land where there is no water, the picture is like, it is hopeless, but I will praise you. I will worship you. God, I'm leaning in when it gets hard. I'm going to trust you even when it's hard. I'm going to trust you even when it's unpopular. 
I'm going to trust you even if no one else does. I'm going to trust you even when I don't feel like it. 2 Corinthians 12 says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ might rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insult, hardship, persecution, calamities. For when I am weak, when I am weak, then I am strong. Lord, I choose to worship you when it's hard. I choose to worship you when it's unpopular. I choose to worship you when no one else does. I choose to worship you even when I don't feel like it. For when I am weak, Lord, when I'm on my face before you, then I am strong. Worship's a choice. Worship's a choice. Do you choose to worship him? Or what else do you choose to worship in his place? Here's the next thing. Humble worship requires action. It's not a passive thing. It requires action. Look at verses uh, 3 and 4. It says, uh, Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live in your name. I will lift up uh, my hands. Um, and then verses uh, 6 to 8. Um, when I remember you upon my bed and meditate upon you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help in the shadow of your wing, I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand holds me. Now, worship requires action. Worship is not passion, or it's not passive. We get all wound up about sports teams. We get all wound up about the things we like to do, but we, we just are so passive about God sometimes. It, it requires action on our part. Um, it takes time. It takes discipline. Some of the words he uses here is, my lips will praise you. I will lift up my hands. I will remember and meditate for you, on you. I will sing for joy, the overflowing of the heart. My soul clings to you. Worship isn't only what we do. Worship expresses who we are. Uh, worship can be, for sure, worship is vertical, but worship in its expression is also horizontal as, as we do things around us, it's, but it's towards God. But I want to look at it today because we could look at this for until Jesus comes back and not run out of material. I want to talk about two words, uh, actions that um, are worshipful. One is, the first thing is that worship is internal. It's internal. It, it begins in our heart. Um, begins with a right heart. It begins with a mind. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Um, it, it, it's it's a, an internal piece. If, if worship for you is, yeah, I get to come to church, I might clap my hands a little bit, I might raise my hands a little bit, and, um, but your heart isn't right, and inside there's a bitterness, there's an unforgiveness. There's, it's not true worship. That external stuff is not true worship if it isn't first rooted in the internal and in having a right heart before God, a right relationship with other people. It, it has this, this internal piece of the mind. Um, And so is your heart right with God? Is your mind right with God? Are you spending time in the quiet moments when no one else is looking in your relationship with him? It's internal. It's external. Um, I wrote this down because um, I needed it. Um, 
I wrote down stop and listen. It's hard for me to stop. I don't like to stop. I like to be doing things. If my eyes are open, I like to be moving. I drive Sue crazy in the morning because my feet hit the floor and I'm going like a crazy man and she doesn't even believe in mornings. So it's, uh, it's like um, I got to learn how to stop and listen. Um, back to those words of the psalmist, be still and know that I am God. One of the ways we worship is by stopping. And I need to hear that. I needed to hear that this week. I needed to remember. I need to stop. I got, oh, so many things on my to-do list for Jesus that I don't have time to stop. Shame on me. And, and maybe that's the word for you today. Maybe somebody here today needs to hear just that this morning. Um, this simple truth, be still. Be still and know that I am God. You need to stop. You're anxious. You're running around. You're not trusting God. And you're certainly not worshiping, worshiping him. I needed to hear that this week. Perhaps you did. Um, it's external. Worship is external. You can cry out. You can shout. You can lift up your hands. In Scripture, you can even dance. Don't ask me to be part of that, but you can ask people to dance. I always joke with uh, leaders in our church, yeah, we're going to start the new the ribbon dancers in our church. And, the, you know, it's like, it's okay to dance before the Lord. David did it. Um, he was criticized for doing it, uh, but he did it. It's, it's a way we worship. Um, we shout, we lift our hands, we dance, we gather as God's people. We fall on our faces. That was Isaiah's experience. When you eat, you worship. Your eating should be an act of worship. Everything we do is an act of worship. It, it says how we feel about God. Um, when you stand, when you sit, when you walk, he talks about lying in his bed. Um, more and more in my life, as I get older, I find myself up in the night. Um, and I used to I just try, how do I get back to sleep? How do I get back to sleep? You know, one of the best ways to get back to sleep is just, just pray. Just commit your way to the Lord. And just worship him. Um, worship. It's a choice. It requires action. Um, Here's the last thing. Humble worship ends in hope-filled confidence. So look at the last couple of verses, uh, last three verses. But those who seek to destroy my life. So that's what Dave, that's why he's in the wilderness, right? Whatever end of his life he's at, they shall go down into the depths of the earth. Uh, they shall be given over to the power of the sword, and they shall be a portion for the jackals. David has a great hope that God's going to take care of his circumstances, but the king, it's him, but the king shall rejoice in God in the midst of all that he's going through. All who swear by him shall exult, for the mouths of the liars will be stopped. God will be the great vindicator in all of this. David's convinced that God's righteousness will prevail. David is convinced that vengeance isn't his to take, but is for God to do. Um, just see his focus, see his hope, see where his confidence is. And in your circumstances today, as we go through all of these things, as you rethink these things this afternoon and, and throughout this week, it, it, it ends for Davis in a, David in a, a hope-filled confidence. God's not going to reject him. God's not going to leave him. God is going to care for him. But the king shall rejoice in his circumstances. He will rejoice. So does your worship lead you to hope-filled confidence even when you're in the wilderness? 
Well, so what? Who and what are we worshiping today? God forgive me, God forgive us when we make idols of pride or our significance or what we can accomplish and we don't give God the glory. All glory, all honor belong to him. He deserves all of the praise and all of the honor and the glory. True worship begins at the intersection of how awesome God is and his glory and my humility to understand that he must increase, I must decrease 1 Peter 5, 6 says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Humble yourselves under the one who you worship so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you for the example of David. I I see so much of me in him so often. I see um, things in his character that were wonderful, but we see the great failures in his life. And yet, Father, he passionately pursues you, and he doesn't get it perfect, but he keeps on going, and he, he doesn't give up. Lord, would you give me a passion to pursue you like I see in his life? Would you give us as your people a passion to pursue you like David did? Would we get our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. He is the author, the sustainer of our faith. And Lord, we choose, we choose today to honor you, to trust you, to give you the glory, all power, humbling ourselves before you because we deserve nothing. You deserve everything. Work in us, God, for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name.